0: You're listening to sermon audio from King's Cross Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. For more information about King's Cross Church, you can visit us online at kingscrossraleigh.com. Our sermon text this week comes from Acts 14, 1-20. In Iconium, they entered the Jewish synagogue as usual and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they stayed there a long time and spoke boldly for the Lord, who testified to the message of His grace by enabling them to do signs and wonders. But the people of the city were divided, some siding with the Jews, another with the apostles. When an an attempt was made by both the Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat and stone them, they found out about it and fled to Lycaus, to the Lyconian town of Lystra and Derby, and to the surrounding countryside. There they continued preaching the gospel. In Lystra, a man was sitting who was without strength in his feet, had never walked, and had been lame from birth. He listened as Paul spoke. After looking directly at him and seeing that he had faith to be healed, Paul said in a loud voice, "'Stand up on your feet,' and he jumped up and began to walk around." When the crowds saw that Paul, what Paul had done, they shouted, saying in the Lyconian language, "The gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. The priests of Zeus, whose temple was just around just outside the town, brought bowls and wreaths to the gates because he intended with the crowds to offer sacrifice. The apostles Barnabas and, to- and Paul tore their robes when they heard this and rushed into the crowd shouting people why are you doing these things why are people also we are people also just like you and we are proclaiming good news to you that you turn from these worthless things to the living god who made the heavens the earth the seas and everything in them in past generations he allowed all the nations to go their own way although he did not leave himself without a witness since He did what is good by giving you rain from heaven and fruitful seasons and filling you with food and your hearts with joy. Even though they said these things, they barely stopped the crowds from sacrificing to them. Some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and when they won over the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, thinking he was dead. After the disciples gathered around him, he got up and went into the town. The next day he left with Barnabas for Derbe. This is God's word.
1: Right. Good morning, church family. It's a it's a joy to to be here this morning. Um, if you're new with us, uh, we're in the Book of Acts. Um, if you don't have a Bible, that we have some in the chairs in in front of you. Um, we love to to be able to follow along with the scriptures, and um, you know, we want you know the the truth to come out of the the Bible and, and teach us. We want to open our hearts to that. So. Um, in this, in the book of Acts, it's written by Luke, as he's introducing the book. You know, he wrote the the Gospel of Luke as well, and he said that that book was about all that that Jesus began to do and teach. And so, Acts is is kind of about what Jesus is continuing to do, what God is continuing to do and teach, um, and he's doing it through the apostles. Um, with you know, there was a long time of of in Jerusalem, Peter and John were were primary characters. Um, this section that we're in now, in chapter thirteen and fourteen is, um, you know, primarily about Paul and, and Barnabas and, and they're on a missionary journey. They're, they've been sent out from the church in Antioch. Um, you can actually put the map on the screen and we can just look at where they're going. So they, um, they left Antioch here and they went to Cyprus first, Salamis and Paphos. Um, and then, so that was, that was one week for us and then they, they went up to Pisidian, Antioch, we spent a couple of weeks there. Um, Paul preached the sermon to oops, tripping over the cone. Um, yeah, he preached the sermon and and primarily to the Jews there. And then as the as the Jews were, um, you know, not accepting it, they said that you know they this is at the end of chapter thirteen, verse forty seven. The Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles to bring salvation to the end of the earth. And they, um, the Gentiles rejoiced. Paul and Barnabas. You know, left, they, they shook the dust off their, their feet, and they went to Iconium. That's where we are today. Um, so we're in this missionary journey. It's easy for us to um, kind of get bogged down in, in, in these individual stories and, and kind of forget the, the whole. But Paul, you know, he says in the book of Romans, he, as he's writing to the Romans, he says that, that my aim is to preach the gospel where Christ has not been named. Um, so he's trying to do that, and he's trying to do it in a strategic way. Um, missiologists, people who study missions, they they've developed this this rubric called the the core missionary task, and this is the thing that the missionaries need to to do to to be effective. Um, and uh, we can put it on the the screen. It's it's kind of broken down into six tasks, um, six steps, right? So Paul and Barnabas, they're doing these things as they go in this. Um, on this missionary journey. They're, they're entering new places. Um, people that don't know Jesus, they're coming and they're, they're entering and they're beginning those conversations. They're evangelizing them. They're sharing the good news with them. Those that believe, they're, they're making disciples of them. They're teaching them. They're helping them grow in their faith. And they're not just keeping them as individual disciples, right? They're, they're bringing them into a church together. They're forming healthy churches. And then in those healthy churches, they're, they're developing leaders, right those that that aren't just there as members but but they're ready to to lead and take on more and and grow and teach others and then when those leaders are, are ready Paul and Barnabas partner with them and and they leave they trust those leaders to to take care of the the church right they, they partner with them that doesn't mean the relationship is over but they see them as as equals as partners so Paul and Barnabas are, are doing these things on this missionary journey um, they're they're you know, often entering the the synagogue, they're entering the marketplace. They're they're teaching. They're sharing the sharing the gospel. They're bringing the disciples together. But I want us to to remember that that we're missionaries too, right? We've been given this this good news. We've been reconciled to God, and we're, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. And so all of us can do these first three, right? We can enter into relationships with lost people. You know, maybe it's a Maybe it's your coworkers. Maybe it's your neighbors. Maybe you go to a gym for that purpose. Maybe you go to the same coffee shop all the time. You're entering and you're trying to begin a relationship with people that, that don't know Jesus. And then you, you evangelize. You share the gospel with them. You help give them a picture of the hope that you have in Christ. And those that believe, you, you make disciples of them. You teach them. You help them to come to the scriptures and see who God is and, and to know him more. As a church, you know we want to do all six of these, right? We want to we want to be a healthy church, but we also want to plant other churches, we want to develop leaders, and we want to send those leaders out and partner with them. So I wanted to kind of give that that context as as we um, are looking at Paul and Barnabas on this missionary journey. Next week, we'll um, it'll be the end of the missionary journey, and so we'll hit this these things again and and see um, kind of a a little bit more zoomed out, but um, it's helpful for us to, to think about it as they're going into Iconium and Lystra this week. Um, it's helpful for us to remember what remember that big picture, their, their goal that they're on. So in this passage today in, in Iconium and in Lystra, we see that, that God is, is faithful. We see God's faithfulness again and again. And we see that we need to find our hope in him. And we see that what faithfulness looks like as, as we're working. So the main idea for for us today is is trust that God is faithful. Find your hope in Him. Find your identity in Him. And then work faithfully on His mission. We see those those themes in, in both these places in Iconium. We see that Paul and Barnabas are are faithfully proclaiming the gospel. They're working faithfully. We see what happens when when people don't find their hope in Christ. They begin to speak lies and, and poison minds. The unbelieving Jews do that. And we see that, that Paul and Barnabas trust in God. They trust that he is faithful. They, they press in, they stay there for a while and proclaim the, continue to pro- proclaim the good news even when opposition starts. But at, when opposition becomes too great, they have to leave and, and they trust God. In Lystra, we see God's faithfulness in, in healing. This man who was lame from birth, We see again that the, the people that, that come and they're, you know, they call Barnabas Zeus and, and Paul Hermes. They're trying to find their hope in anything, in whatever they have. And we see that what they need to do is find their hope in Christ. And then we see Paul as, as an example of, of working faithfully even, even when he's stoned. So as we dive into the text, I, w- I want to pray and just ask for, for God to, to be with us this morning. Father God, I thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your kindness to us. Thank you for the kindness of of the scriptures and and how we can learn from you in it. Pray that you would open our hearts this morning. Pray that you would speak clearly through me and um, help us to to hear from you. Help us to hear the truth that that you want us to hear. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. So as they're entering Iconium, the first thing we see is, is Paul and Barnabas are working faithfully by proclaiming the gospel. So, verse one, in Iconium, they entered the Jewish synagogue as, as usual. That this is their their custom, their practice. They go to a new place. They go to the synagogue. Um, even though you know at the end of chapter thirteen, they said, uh, you know, the Lord has commanded us. I've made you a light for the Gentiles. But they have this conviction that that the gospel is for the Jew first. Or Paul says that in Romans one sixteen, a famous verse. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because the power of God, because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. It matters that uh, Jesus was a Jew, that Jesus came to fulfill the Jewish promises. That makes a difference. There's value in that foundational knowledge of the scriptures, to know that that God always keeps his promises. He made these promises to the Jews, and Jesus is the fulfilment of that. Another thing to note is as Paul and Barnabas are coming to this new place, they have this camaraderie with the Jews. They can easily build on the foundation that they have together. Maybe, um, you know, a lot of times some, I'm introducing myself to someone, we're, we're talking a little bit and we're asking what we do for work and if, if there's somebody who kind of works in the same field as I, I do, then, you know, I can skip like three minutes of, context just setting up my job right but if they don't you know i have to explain kind of what the company does the whole industry all that it's it's boring i don't want to do that um but somebody that works in that space you know i can just we can just talk we can just build on that same kind of thing for for paul and barnabas they come they know the jewish faith they know the jewish scriptures they can quote these scriptures that these other people can quote too and they can point to jesus as the fulfillment of those And that's what they do. Later in verse 1, they spoke in such a way that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. Another translation says they, they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. Back in chapter 13, in verse 48, it says, all who had been appointed to eternal life believed. That sounds like, you know, it's up to God. Everyone who's appointed to eternal life believes. But here it says they spoke so effectively so it sounds like it's up to Barnabas and and Saul. That's pretty common in the Bible that that we have this this both and right it's not It's not either or God and, and life is is more complicated than we'd like a lot of times. There's a lot of debate here if if it's up to God or if it's up to us and a lot of times the answer is yes, it is So an application for us following Paul and Barnabas's example. They speak in such a way that the Jews and Greeks believe we should speak in such a way that those that we share with believe. It's easy for us to just say we're a Christian, say that, you know, we're open about our faith, say that, you know, Jesus is our homeboy, Jesus is my best friend, and you don't ever actually say that he came to save sinners. You don't, don't ever actually tell people that they need to repent and believe in him. Or on the other hand, maybe you, you just separate yourselves. You just think of, of people as people that don't know Jesus as as your enemy, and you don't, you don't see that that you were such like that. You were also dead in sin without Christ. So last week, um, Chad mentioned that a lot of times we can we can have these evangelism methods that that feel kind of like we're just giving speeches like we're following a script. We don't necessarily want to do that. But I think it's helpful to there's one in particular called the three circles. Um I have a image of it on the screen here. Um this is a good like thematic thing to have in your back pocket. So um even you you can you know, memorize like the three minute speech version of this. But you can also just remember these themes that remember that, that God designed the world in such a way. But it's not like that anymore. Because we sinned, we fell short. We're living in brokenness now. And we know that things aren't the way that they're supposed to be. And so that's what these little squiggly arrows are. We're, we're trying to get out of the brokenness. A lot of times we, we, we try to do that with just finding our meaning in other things. But the only way to get back to the way that we should be, back to God's design, is because of Jesus, through the gospel. We have to repent and believe of the the brokenness of our sin. Believe in Christ and recover God's design and pursue it. And so, as we think of this kind of thematically, you're you're talking with your your coworkers, you're talking with your your neighbors, and, and they're sharing about the brokenness in their life. And you can say, Yes, I know life is hard, life is broken, but I have hope in Jesus. If you're interested in learning more about that, memorizing the you know the speech version um understanding it better i can I can definitely point you to the the resources for it um, but yeah just just remember that that we're made to thrive in a different way. Christ is the only way to to get us back to to God's design so we see Paul and Barnabas working faithfully proclaiming the gospel and we see that the unbelieving Jews they don't have their hope in Christ they're finding their meaning in the wrong places so as the unbelieving Jews stir up the Gentiles we, we see that their their hatred of God leads them to compromise their values instead of laying down their interests to follow God they're they're willing to compromise everything to oppose him. You guys that have been around a while, you know I love Lord of the Rings. One of the things in Lord of the Rings is that the elves and the dwarves aren't the best of friends. All right, I was, um, I've been reading it again and, and uh, I'm at the place where they go into the, in Lothlorien, the, the Elvish Forest and they they say to Gimli the dwarf that that he's the first dwarf that's been in their forest in hundreds of years. But the reason that he is is because the quest that he and his the fellowship are on is so important they're uniting against this this common enemy that the elves and the dwarves can forget their differences because their common enemy is is so great. That's kind of what's going on with the Jews and Gentiles here. The Jews have this common enemy in Paul and Barnabas which They shouldn't, you know. They're the good guys, right? Um, But but they're so afraid of of changing their way of life that they're willing to stir up the Gentiles. We've seen so much in the Book of Acts of the the animosity between Jews and Gentiles, and these unbelieving Jews are willing to to team up with the Gentiles to go against Paul and Barnabas to poison the minds. Sin makes you crazy. You're willing to to compromise everything. We see a stark example of this at Jesus' crucifixion in in John 19.15. They shouted, the the mob here, they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Pilate said to them, should I crucify your king and the chief priests who have their, their identity wrapped up in the Jewish faith? They know all the promises that God made about a king coming that would sit on David's throne forever. They know those promises. They say, we have no king but Caesar. They hate Jesus so much that they're willing to give up everything to crucify him. So instead of being like that, instead of uniting with anyone for anything against Christ, we should lay down our lives, lay down our interests for the sake of Christ. We need to find our hope and our joy in Christ. Last week, we were talking about the, the joy that comes with, with living on, on mission for Christ. In our small group, we were talking about times that, that it's hard to find joy. A lot of times, it's times when the, the circumstances of our life take up all our mind and our thought. And we're so focused on, on ourselves and our struggles that it sucks up all our joy. If we do that, if we find our, our hope in, in Christ, then we're able to, to continue on in, in joy, no matter what happens in this life. When Paul Barnabas. They've seen people come to faith. They're facing this opposition. They know these Jews and Gentiles are, are poisoning their minds, but they trust God. They trust in God's faithfulness. It leads them to, to press in for a while, and it also leads them to, to leave when it's time. There's an interesting conjunction here in verse 3. The unbelievers were, were stirred up. Verse 3 starts with so. So they stayed there a long time. And spoke boldly for the Lord. Even though the opposition is there, even though the the minds are being poisoned against them, they stay. But then, down to verse five and six, when an attempt was made by the Gentiles and the Jews with their rulers to mistreat and stone them, they found out about it and fled. So, there's a time to stay and a time to leave. So Jess has been in in this kick of of Amazing Race. She loves watching that show right now and um, she's got her whole family in it, we love it. Um, She'll she'll be painting and and watching Amazing Race and just living her best life. One of the things in, in Amazing Race is, one of the challenges is called a detour where you have two different things to pick from, two different challenges. The teams are always playing to win always keeping this this goal in mind of of winning and sometimes they're in a detour and they're they're just there's no way they're going to get this one and so even though they've spent time into it they don't want to get kicked out of the race and so it's time to switch but if they're you know pretty pretty far behind then their only way to continue on in the race is, is to press in and figure out this detour So Paul and Barnabas are are doing the same thing. They're they're pressing in. They're they're asking for God to give them wisdom and and how long they should stay, whether they should leave, but but they're pressing in for a while. They're keeping that that core missionary task in mind of of wanting to to proclaim Jesus where people don't know him. So as they as they press in first, they're speaking boldly for the Lord. There's Kind of two directions that they can speak in. They proclaim the good good news to those who are not yet saved, but they're also protecting those new disciples. So the unbelieving Jews, they're poisoning minds. But there are some minds there that that aren't poisoned beyond repair yet. A lot of times we can get this idea that the non Christians are our enemies, we need to stay away from them, we need to keep ourselves isolated. But that's not true. Their minds are are being poisoned and we have the antidote. So we need to take those opportunities to proclaim the truth. We need to do it in such a way that we're not just arguing, right? We have to remember the kingdom mindset that the ends don't justify the means. There's no good there's not enough good that can come that's worth us compromising our ourself. The fruit of the spirit should be evident in us no matter what if we have to put, push back on our neighbors, our coworkers, speaking the truth to them, shouldn't be able to accuse us of not caring for them. We don't want to be a different type of poison when we're trying to bring healing. To proclaim the the truth to those whose minds are being poisoned. And also we need to protect those who are already saved. In Romans, Paul says that that we have to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Even as believers, our minds are not perfect, right? We have to be continually transformed. If we're spending all our time thinking in, in secular ways and in absorbing secular thoughts, then our minds might be pulled in that direction, as you have opportunities to speak the truth to your brothers and sisters in Christ do that protect them from from the lies protect them from the poison it's a big goal of of us as pastors right we want to stay close to the scriptures because we know this is where the, the truth is this is where the hope is we want you to be able to you know we're not always with you right but, the, but God is right? we want you to know that that even though like you know, I'm, I'm uh, developing the sermon and putting these slides together and everything. The, the truth that comes out is right here in the scriptures. Open up your Bible and, and read it and listen to God speak to you. Be encouraged that, that God wants to be glorified. We see that in verse three. As they stayed and they spoke boldly for the Lord, the Lord testified to the message of his grace by enabling them to do signs and wonders. But sometimes there's a time to leave. A time when when it's too much. The opposition is too strong. For Paul and Barnabas, that comes when the Gentiles, the Jews, and the rulers all together make an attempt to stone them. Down to verse five. They find out about it. That united front, that's too much. They're their task is, is bigger than just Iconium. They know it's, it's time to move on. There are times in our lives when we just have to cut our losses. We've been trying to pursue a relationship with someone, but it's not going anywhere. All our conversations just kind of make it worse. We don't stop being kind. We don't stop trying to live at peace with them. But sometimes we just have to, to move on, shake the dust off our feet. When we do that, ultimately, we just need to trust God. There are a lot of situations where we don't know. We don't know the the right way to do. But we can ask God for wisdom. He promises to give it to us. Ask God for wisdom. Make what you think is the best choice and then leave it in God's hands. So Paul and Barnabas and Iconium, we see that They work faithfully proclaiming the gospel. They're pointing to people to to find their hope and identity in in Christ, uniting around him instead of uniting against him. And we see that we should trust in God's faithfulness as we press in or as we step away from, from situations. In Lystra, we see the same kind of thing. We see that God is faithful. We see him healing this lame man. And again we see the ill effects of people putting their hope in something other than God. And then we see Paul's perseverance working for the Lord faithfully even in the midst of persecution. So we see that that we should trust God because he has power to heal. In our lives a lot of times we can get so bogged down with, with struggles that we don't remember God's faithfulness. you can put yourself in this guy's shoes that he lived his whole life without being able to walk lived his whole life in this suffering without strength in his feet been lame for birth it's easy in that situation to lose the faith to be healed but it says that, that Paul saw that he had faith to be healed we need to remember that that God is trustworthy we should have faith in him even when all the situations in our life seem like He forgot about us, the story of, of this healing—if you've been with us this whole time, back in, in Acts three, there's a, a very similar story. Peter and John come to the, the temple. Who's sitting? At, or yeah, they're, they're going to the temple. They're at, they're at the beautiful gate, and there's a man lame from birth sitting outside. This is Acts 3, verse 2. A man who was lame from birth was being carried there. He was placed each day at the temple gate called Beautiful so that he could beg from those entering the temple. Verse 4, Peter, along with John, looked straight at him and said, look at us. And then when he's healed, he jumped up and started to walk, entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. So both of the men are, are lame from birth. Peter and John look straight at that man, Paul and Barnabas look directly at this man. After they're healed, they both jump up and begin to walk around. Those similarities between the stories are, are intentional on, on Luke's part. He's trying to show that, that God's faithfulness isn't just for the, the Jews, it's for the Gentiles too. God doesn't just work through Peter, he works through Paul too. Just like the man outside the the temple was healed by God, brought into full welcome into the temple. Full welcome into the Jewish faith. God is showing that Gentiles and Lester are welcomed in the faith too. The only thing this this man has, the only thing that he brings to the table is his faith. He has faith to be healed. That's all that we need too. It's not about being good enough. It's not about meeting a certain standard. We just come to God. God is trustworthy in and of himself. It's not dependent on us. We can always trust him. If you guys know the, you know, superhero movies, Marvel, The Avengers, we know that the Avengers are going to win. Right? It's a superhero movie the good guys win. And the, uh, and the one called Infinity War, they actually lose at the end. But you know that it's not over then. Right? Even though Thanos won, he got, he got all his Infinity Stones, he did a snap, he wiped out half the life of the universe. You know something is going to happen where the good guys are actually going to win. And so in the next movie, Endgame, they, they do. They come back and win. Same kind of thing with with God. Even when things look bad, even when everything in our life looks bad, we know that, that we can trust him. We can rest in him. We can find our hope in him. And that's what Paul and Barnabas are trying to proclaim to to these that, that say that they're gods. It says that they are um, you know, they're shouting in the Lyconian language, this language that Paul and Barnabas don't don't know. So you can imagine the situation is, is pretty wild. It's pretty crazy. Somebody who is healed, they're known for their disability. It's going to cause some commotion. Right? This commotion is, is going crazy. Right? These people are shouting. This priest of Zeus comes in with, with bulls and wreaths wanting to offer sacrifice. They say the gods have come down to us in, in human form. They're trying to, to find... Meaning they, they know that, that something happened that shouldn't happen. This man who was lame from birth is now walking around. And they're trying to find why. They're trying to worship what they know. And Paul wants to point them to the real hope. He says, we're humans just like you. Turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. Proclaim the good news to you. You know, in our lives, we don't, we don't often see people that are worshiping these named gods like, like Zeus and, and Hermes. But we do see people trying to find their meaning in, in all kinds of things. It could be in, in our work. You know, maybe after the next promotion, then I'll be fulfilled. Maybe then I'll be happy. It could be in a relationship. You know, I'm only, I'm only unhappy because I'm, I'm single. If I, if I get married, then then I'll be fulfilled. It could be in politics. You know, it's if my candidate wins that I like, then, then life will be like it should be. There's all kinds of things. Food, alcohol, sexual immorality, everything that we try to, to find meaning in, none of that is going to fulfill us. Because we're not made for those things to fulfill us. There's good in those things. There's good in work. There's good in relationship. There's good in, in food. But they're not meant to be God. Instead, they should point us to him. In verse 17, God, Paul says, God didn't leave, leave himself without a witness. He did what is good by giving you rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling you with food and your hearts with joy. So those good things that, that, heaven, that rain from heaven, the fruitful seasons, those should point us to God. They should be a witness to God. Jesus is our only hope. We need to find our hope in him, not in the things of the world. And we need to share that hope with others. If your friends, your neighbor, neighbors, your coworkers, they don't know that their source of hope is in Jesus, they're, they're searching for meaning, but they're not able to find it. So the last thing we see in, in Lystra is, is a good example of, of what to do in, in working faithfully, following Paul as he continues on in the face of persecution. So verse 19 and 20, some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. They went over the crowds. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, thinking he was dead. After the disciples gathered around him, he got up and went into the town. The next day, he left with Barnabas for Derby. Just think about that for a second. They stoned Paul. They left him for dead. They thought he was dead. And then the next day, he walks to Derby. I was, uh, I was telling Jess about um, this ad I saw on, on Twitter from this guy called Knees Over Toes Guy. And he was talking about how strong his knees were. And he was bending forward with his knees over a pool and like pulled himself back up without using any hands and I was trying to demonstrate that to Jess and I I hurt my knees doing that I just got stuck down I was like oh oh my goodness I felt like I could barely walk for a couple days (laughs) Paul suffered a lot more than that (laughs) (laughs) Paul was stoned they thought he was dead but he perseveres the next day he walks the derby we should do that too. It, it's crazy to say that. It's crazy to say, hey, if you get stoned, if you get left for dead, just dust yourself off, continue on in the work. So I want it to be clear why. Why do we say stuff like that? We just sing about it, right? In all mar- our sorrows, Jesus is better. God made us for more than us. Right? He made us for more than just living our best life. We're not fulfilled unless we're living for him. And we can't do that by ourselves. Right? We're, we're dead in our sin. But God made a way for us to be brought into his family, onto his mission. Jesus came as God in the flesh, living his life perfectly without ever falling short. And he died on the cross to pay for our sin and he was resurrected defeating sin and death forever and giving us hope giving us a way into God's family onto his mission so if we've been reconciled to God we have the ministry of reconciliation now Paul said in Philippians that for him to live is Christ to die is gain so as long as we're alive we have hope we have a, a purpose to live for Christ and when we die we we have that hope fulfilled in Christ back to Avengers my favorite Avenger is, is Captain America he's got this this moral compass that, that drives him and, and uh, he perseveres one of his catchphrases is I can do this all day when he's getting beat up in the in the movie called Civil War, he's he's fighting against Iron Man. They have this, this civil war between the Avengers, and Captain America is driven by his mission, and Iron Man is beating him up. And he said, "I can do this all day." How much more should we be able to do this all day? How much more should we be able to persevere? Because we have Christ, we know that our hope is secure in Him. One of the thing I want us to to remember, verse nineteen and twenty, is that, that Paul's not alone. Verse twenty it says, The disciples gathered around him. Then he got up. And the next day he left with Barnabas for Derby. We're not doing this by ourselves. We don't get up from stoning by ourselves. We don't go through our suffering alone. Right? That's why we have the, the church. That's why we have community. We come together. And we can face our suffering we can we can get up, we can keep going, so press into this community, recover more quickly from your suffering, work together on mission as a reminder um, on that that connect page that that uh Chad mentioned, Kingscross dot com slash connect. There's a form on there called Equip for the Mission. As we want to as we want to live on mission together, we want to know how we can how we can help you guys do that. You can indicate your desire to grow in, in various ways, whether it's serving as as missionaries, as church planners, whether it's just knowing more about what it means to follow God. So we have these these three interrelated ideas in this passage: that that God is faithful, that we need to put our hope in Him, and that we need to work faithfully for Him. That order matters. It matters that that God is faithful, because if He isn't faithful, then we can't put our trust in Him, right? But because He is, then we can. And if we can trust Him, then we can have in our our identity in him. If we don't, then our work, our attempts to to do the right thing, they fall short if we're not living on his mission. Since he is faithful, we can put our hope in him. We can put our identity in him and we can live for him. I'm going to read a couple verses from later in Acts. As we close, this is Acts chapter 16 Um, so you know whole chapter and a half later there's a lot that goes on in that next chapter they go back to Antioch, they go to Jerusalem and then in verse, in chapter 16 it says that, that Paul went on to Derbe and Lystra we're in Lystra today there was a disciple named Timothy the son of a believing Jewish woman his father was a Greek the brothers and sisters at Lystra and Iconium spoke highly of him So that's just a reminder from Luke that that God is faithful. Even though he gets stoned in Iconium, or in Lystra, threatened of stone in Iconium, God is still faithful. There are brothers and sisters there. There's a strong leader in in Timothy. So we can remember that God is faithful. Even when we're bogged down in in the tough stretches of life, we can zoom out and remember that, that God is faithful. We can trust him can put our identity in him and we can join him on his mission let's pray